Hello and welcome to the tech.eu podcast, a weekly show where we talk about the most interesting and most important stories in the European technology scene. Uh, it's with myself, Neil Murray, and as usual, I'm joined by Roxanne Vaza. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. Uh, so this week, we're going to be taking a look at some of the big rounds of funding from European startups. We had quite a few big rounds. Um, afterwards, we're going to take a bit of a deep dive on the equity crowdfunding startups that got funded because we had a few of those this week. And finally, we're going to wrap it up with the situation for European VC firms, which have raised over 2 billion euros in Q2 of 2015. So... I think we can start off by uh, talking about one of the biggest rounds uh, to come out of Europe this week, which was Katowiki in Amsterdam, online auction house, which raised $82 million. This round was led by Lead Edge Ventures in the US, Axel Partners, and Project A Ventures in Berlin. Um, and I think Lead Edge Ventures is probably a fund that perhaps we hear about less in Europe. Yeah, so it's quite an interesting one because actually uh, they haven't even really come onto my radar too much. They're based in New York. But actually, they've got a pretty good track record uh, in backing European high-growth companies. They've previously already backed Delivery Hero and Blah Blah Car. It looks like also they have really high-profile LPs involved, uh, some people from the board at eBay, Dell, Drugstore.com. But they also have some connections to really high-level people in Europe. Um, Fabrice Grinda from OLX is one of their LPs. Stefan Dietrich from Neolane and also Alex Kazim from Skype are part of their LPs. So... I think we can probably expect to see them maybe getting a little bit more involved in the European scene. I think this may also be one of the bigger rounds to come out of the Netherlands. Yeah, it is. I mean, certainly this year, the only one that kind of even comes close, and it still doesn't, is Shapeways, which is a 3D printing startup. They raised about $30.5 million earlier this year. Um, but apart from that, I mean, last year, obviously, we had Adyen, $250 million dollars. So again, not in that range either. Um, but yeah, we see these kind of big funding rounds occasionally happening in the Netherlands, but there's still, Agen's 250 million round last year actually accounted for about half of the total investment that went into the Netherlands. So they raised about 500 million and half of it came from Adyen's round. So it's still not so mature as, say, London or Berlin in terms of venture capital, but we are increasingly seeing bigger rounds come into the Netherlands, such as Shapeways and now Katowiki's 82 million. So I think maybe, um, obviously, the Netherlands is a bit of a rare one, a uh, country that we always kind of expect big rounds of funding to come from is London. And this week we had Deliveroo, food delivery startup, raise $70 million. This was a round that was raised with San Francisco-based Green Oaks Capital, which I actually didn't even know until I heard about this round of funding. They had Index, Excel, and Hoxton Ventures in the UK also part of the round. SF-based Green Oaks Capital strikes me as a little bit odd or did strike me as a little bit odd for this round because they've confirmed that they want to be expanding into Europe, Middle East, and Asia, but they actually haven't confirmed any U.S. expansions plans. Am I correct on that? Yeah, I didn't see anything about the U.S. either. The only thing I noticed about Green Oaks, and again, they were pretty much new to me, I did notice they said on their site that they are franchise specialists. So I wonder whether it's more of their kind of expertise on that front that means they're involved in a round rather than the U.S. aspect. But of course, you would expect them to perhaps look there eventually. 
And I did notice also, uh, obviously, Green Notes is a very young VC firm, um, that they do already have kind of investments in South Korea and India. So maybe this is not that unusual for them to be looking outside of the U.S. market. Um, but just going back to the expansion plans, Deliveroo has been incredibly aggressive this year. I noticed that they've been in France essentially since April, working with 250 restaurants already locally, expanding to Lille, Lyon, Bordeaux. Saw they announced to go into Belgium. I feel like they're just attacking the market. Do you have any other countries on your radar where we can expect to see them soon? No, not other than they said in the actual release itself. But I've certainly noticed even in the UK their aggressive kind of approach. There's even been kind of traditional leaflets through your door, advertising everywhere. So they've certainly got onto people's radars and got onto people's consciousness for an option in this area. I mean, it is quite a crowded area as well. But Deliveroo essentially differentiating themselves by aiming more at, say, restaurants or places that don't already offer delivery and then providing that delivery service. So unlike Just Eat, uh, where you would just order something and get it delivered, they see themselves more of kind of a logistical service provider. Okay, so I think that's a pretty good distinction to make because a lot of people actually have started to just group all the delivery services into one and Deliveroo is perhaps very different from the others in that respect. Yeah, definitely. It does feel like a little bit of an arms race actually in this area. Everyone's raising a lot of money and it's getting pretty crowded. Uh, I imagine we'll probably see some acquisitions in this area in the next 12 to 18 months as companies kind of look to consolidate because at the moment it, it seems to be a pretty crowded. I'm sure kind of Rocket will perhaps suck them all up at some point. Oh, that's a good one to keep in mind if that actually happens. Uh, let's go to the final round of funding, or the one that we're going to cover this week at least. Uh, Ticktail, which uh, raised $22 million out of Sweden. Um, and I think I've heard this platform be essentially called something like a cross between Shopify and Etsy. So they were raising with Creandon, Balderton, Thrive Capital, which I was not expecting to see on the list. Obviously, they were in the first round of funding, but very rare as a European investor, and Acton Capital. Um, is this one of Thrive's first investments in Europe? It is that I could see. I mean, like you say, they were involved in the last round. I think they actually led the last round. But other than that, I couldn't see too many. I had a quick look. Obviously, they've invested in Instagram, Harry's, Instacart, Jet, Stripe, GitHub. They've invested in some later stages of some really well-respected companies. So it's certainly an interesting investment from them. And I think Thrive, as you mentioned, has been actually a very high-performing fund getting into some of these key companies that you just stated. So definitely a fund for people to have on their radars. I think another one probably is Creandum, which I'm less familiar with, but obviously you know the Nordics very well. So what do we need to know about Creandum? Creandum are really prolific. They made the most investments from a venture capital firm last year in the Nordics. Them in North Zone, uh, InVenture in Finland, they're the ones that are most active and they're a well-respected firm as well in the Nordics. I think it's safe to say that they're definitely in the top tier of who startups would like to get involved in their rounds. So they've certainly uh, got a decent track record in terms of backing the Nordic companies. They don't have an amazing track record, actually, in terms of the billion-dollar companies that have come out of the Nordics, which is quite interesting for such a prolific investor. So Creandum has actually been also an investor in Vivino, Spotify, iZettle, I guess some of the key uh, Nordic players that most Europeans and perhaps other startups worldwide are familiar with. They're a very popular company, actually, both with their customers and both with people in the Nordics. And they certainly carry themselves well when they say they want to build a company that redefines e-commerce in a positive way. You kind of believe them. You don't think it's just sales patter. I think they do have this kind of genuine mission of building a long-lasting company. Well, I think now we'll move on to crowdfunding. Uh, since we had two of these UK equity 
for crowdfunding-based uh, startups that raised this past week. So we had Cedars raising $10 million in pound, which is $15.6 in dollar. And we had Crowdcube raising $6 million, which I have as $9.3 million in U.S. dollars. So obviously, two very interesting startups, actually quite similar and at the same time kind of heading in very different directions. So I guess Crowdcube, perhaps a little bit less known than Cedars, lets you invest from £10 alongside investors in VCs and British startups. I'm much more familiar with, I guess, the French equivalents, which would be Anaxago and Smart Angels. Although recently, I've started to hear criticism of these kind of platforms from different investors saying that when a startup can't raise with a traditional or a top-tier VC, uh, this is the route that they go. I don't know. Do you feel like that's true? Um, well, actually, I don't think there's been too many success cases in terms of traditional tech startups using the platforms. Of course, there has been rounds kind of 100, 200, thousands. Um, but in terms of the bigger rounds that I've seen on the platforms, they tend to be less tech or less startups than we are perhaps used to. Um, so, for example, one of the biggest rounds that have been raised on Cedars is, I think it's called Chapel Down, which are a beer and wine producer. They raise about £4 million. But in terms of tech and startups, uh, smaller rounds have been raised. But I would agree. I mean, I think if you're setting out to raise like a £2 million round, then if you can't raise that with a VC then you may look to that platform. But I still think the way the market is now, you would still want the VC's expertise in terms of just raising the money. I think that's what it comes down to, is that you are trading up. I would still want a VC if I was raising 2 million than you know, giving it away to a lot of people, but just getting the money. Yeah, and I think um, actually both Cedars and Crowdcube are able to leverage the SEIS and the EIS tax relief schemes in the UK which are still somewhat underdeveloped in other European markets. So I think they've probably gotten very lucky there. Um, Crowdcube's round, in terms of investors, included classic investors like Balderton, Draper, uh, Draper Esprit, actually, in the UK. But also this last round included stockbroker Numis Securities. This has been kind of a really big deal because they're trying to develop the world's first crowdsourced IPO platform. Looks like they're actually developing a platform that would enable companies to raise cash alongside institutions when they want to go public. Have you seen anything that kind of remotely relates to this in the crowdfunding space? Yeah, so actually the company that I previously mentioned, Chapel Down, who produced the beer and wine, who raised that big round on Cedars, they were actually publicly listed at the time. And they were the first ever listed company to raise equity crowdfunding. So this may be these platforms are going to keep pursuing and maybe focusing on that will give Crowdcube an edge in this market. And I think the last thing that I thought was particularly interesting in this space, which I guess we could have kind of seen it coming, Cedars looks like they're obviously they're expanding across Europe and the US, but they recently added a really unusual investor to their platform, which is tennis player Andy Murray. And apparently he wants to invest in startups. So I think that's something that we still haven't seen a lot of, um, at least in Europe. We have a lot of American celebrities that have started to invest in startups. I think most recently we had Snoop Dogg going after a, a space that we could obviously consider normal for him. But in Europe, we still have very few European celebrities looking to invest in startups. 
startups. Do you have anybody else in the UK that may be investing in startups? Yeah, we just saw David Beckham, actually. He just uh, backed a kind of Periscope meerkat competitor called Yai. No. I think it was about two million pounds round, and Beckham was involved in it. I felt sorry for Andy Murray in a way, because everyone's like, oh, Beckham, he's like the celebrity uh, investor we've all been looking for in Europe now. And uh, I was thinking, yeah, but Andy Murray just backed someone a couple of weeks ago. You know, Beckham's superstar status uh, overtook Murray and everyone got uh, brainwashed by Beckham saying perhaps he could be our Ashton Kutcher. But I think uh, realistically, I mean, Kutcher has made like over 50 investments. Even Snoop Dogg has made quite a few investments. I think Murray and Beckham dipping their toes in could be interesting, but it'll be maybe it'll just be a one-off or whether they feel that this is something they can get involved in. It'll be interesting to see and whether it'll actually encourage more celebrities to come in. I mean, I definitely think tech startups is a kind of sexy scene and a place where celebrities want to be more and more involved. Yeah, and I think we'll also have to see how Beckham's Periscope actually does. Maybe that will either encourage him or discourage him from going forward with more investments. All right, so now we'll turn to the funds in Europe. Yeah, so in Q2, European-based venture capital firms actually raised more than 2 billion euros, about $2.2 billion in the second quarter alone, which is twice as much as the first quarter. Uh, This is data from Dow Jones Venture Source. It's 30% increase compared to the period in the previous year. So what's interesting is we've seen all these new funds rise up. We've seen Felix Capital, Google Ventures, Mosaic. I thought actually the most telling part of all of this, and maybe it's kind of like a little footnote in the headlines, is that actually Index's latest fund accounted for about a third of that money. So it was about 650 million euros. So they actually accounted for a third of it. So I definitely feel that fund has had like a huge impact on this number being so positive. But what's interesting is in that quarter, US funds actually raised nearly 13 billion. So the US is raising six times as much, but it only builds three times more billion dollar companies. So Europe still seems quite underserved and there's an opportunity there. And that's actually from a tweet from Tom, who's head of research at Atomico. He pointed that out that even though US is raising all that money, they're only building half the amount of billion dollar companies. So there's definitely perhaps more room for investors and more funds for Europe compared to what we're producing. Well, and that could also be part of the reason why we're starting to see some of those funds that we mentioned earlier uh, based in the US actually starting to look at Europe a little bit more. Exactly. Great. Well, I thought maybe we could wrap up this week's podcast with a little visit that I had the pleasure of being able to attend earlier this week. So we had an unusual guest in France. Chancellor George Osborne from the UK was over with the French Minister of the Economy, so that's Emmanuel Macron. Um, And they were hosted by French startup accelerator The Family to talk about single digital market. And I guess it was kind of a bit of a weird timing for this because obviously we know the UK is considering referendum plan for 2017 to reposition itself within Europe or not. And I guess it was a bit odd because obviously UK is on one hand considering its status in Europe and at the same time encouraging better integration for the digital market. So uh, he kind of tried to balance a little bit why the UK would be interested at least in encouraging single digital market. Um, And obviously these two, Macron and Osborne, they discuss some of the overall objective of the single digital market initiative, which is still, I feel, a little bit vague from the outside. So then go into a lot of detail. Um, It's still kind of not very well known, at least in the French scene. So they were mentioning how they're aiming to homogenize business regulation legislation within 
all of the different European countries, homogenizing data access and protection laws. So they were kind of drawing on some of these, you know, things that we've heard a little bit. I feel like probably mentioned these topics over and over again. So I guess it's nice that we're moving in that direction, but we kind of want some concrete, actual examples of what they're working on now. But I thought the end of the event was particularly interesting because we mentioned, obviously, in our first podcast that France was having issues between Uber Pop or Uber X, as it's known elsewhere, and local taxis. And so the situation in France has obviously calmed down quite a bit, but it's still unresolved. Uh, Uber Pop has essentially stopped existing and a couple of similar style businesses as well. Um, but one of the startups that was attending this event, Heach, has a bit of a similar business model. And when they asked a question to Macron about the local legislation, he hinted at the possibility to kind of renegotiate that legislation in the fall. So I think we can expect to be hearing about taxi and the chauffeur car situation in France uh, very soon. It literally is a never-ending saga. <laughs> it's a never-ending saga. It won't end. But I think hopefully, I feel like we're heading in the right direction. Actually, Macron, he's got a very good reputation for being pro-business, pro-startup. He's the one that essentially during the web mentioned that we have all of our public listed companies in France that are incredibly old and we need to get some fresh startups and younger companies uh, publicly listed in France. He's aware of some of the things that we should be doing to change the local economy. So I'm, fingers crossed, hoping that we'll finally get to the bottom of this and move in the right direction. Cool. Sounds good. So Uber and France uh, may reach a conclusion at some point, but this podcast definitely has. Thank you for listening today. As usual, please provide us your feedback on tech.eu. You can provide it in the comments section under this post. You can follow this podcast on SoundCloud at forward slash tech underscore EU. We will be up on iTunes probably once this episode is live, if not just a couple of days after. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at tech underscore EU, at Neil S.W. Murray, and at Roxanne Vaza. I think all that remains is to say thanks, Roxanne, and we'll be back next week. Thanks, Neil.